We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hey everyone, Tyler here. When you're Chinese like me, you don't have a lot to work with, if you know what I mean. Like the game of football, every inch matters. That's why I use the Manscaped Lawnmower 3.0 to trim my Darren Sproles. It's a great tool to clear up all your AstroTurf. Maybe you can trim it down to look like a field goal post. That way, if Michael Badgley ever tries to kick you, he'll miss every time. Use the code GUILTY at checkout on manscaped.com to receive 20% off your next order. Enjoy the ride. Hey, Chargers fans, welcome into another episode of the Guilty as Charged podcast. The uh, Chargers were able to get a much needed victory today over the winless New York Jets, the final score being 34 to 28. Had to get a little creative there at the end, but hey, a win's a win, I guess. And the Chargers desperately needed to win, and and they did it. So uh, joining me today are Tyler and Alex. We'll start with you, Alex. How you doing, man? And uh, just kind of your general thoughts on um, the game. I'm doing pretty good. I took notes today on my notepad. And my top two things are Kelly block punt, uh, three exclamation points, and Herbert piss missile. Um, so those are my top two takeaways, <laughs> I guess, on my notes. Piss missile. I like that. I, I called it a dart <laughs> on Twitter, and uh, that was obviously not strong enough. So, uh, Tyler, how are you doing, man? And what were some of your uh, initial thoughts from the game today? You know, to me, beating the winless Jets is like when you go to Thanksgiving or Christmas and your relatives bring that younger male cousin he tries to fight you and then you kind of fight him just for fun and then you kind of hurt him and he starts crying and goes back to his mom that's kind of what beating up the jets <laughs> is like um but you still feel kind of good because you're superior so uh feeling good finally i don't know the last i didn't record with you guys the last time they won so i haven't recorded with you guys since that with a win since week one so this feels nice oh, to be man. here and be smiling 
That I did not realize that. Man, that is uh it is interesting. So the Chargers obviously move to uh three and seven, like I mentioned, get a much needed win. And really my main takeaway is that this offensive coaching staff finally finally realized that they just need to let Herbert go out and do his thing. He I jokingly said let him get to fifteen attempts before the game and he got to forty nine. So I'll take that. He ended up being thirty seven for forty nine with three hundred and sixty six yards and three touchdowns. Uh, and <laughs> Keenan Allen, man, 16 catches, 145 yards and a touchdown. Uh, he did obviously fumble to start the game, which, which would have been, uh, could have been a disaster, but you know, those two continue to have just an amazing, amazing relationship. And, uh, you know, it obviously paid dividends today against the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was just gonna say, um, pretty big game for, you know, Herbert and Allen, uh, and I, I like that they stayed aggressive for the whole game, right? Because we've seen the Chargers be aggressive in the first half, and then, you know, in the second half, they start running the ball when they you know, should be throwing and, and uh, stay aggressive. But in this game, they uh, kept the pedal to the metal, even though, you know, they, they struggled putting points on the board. Um, in the second half, they, you know, still were, you know, being aggressive, throwing the ball downfield. And I, I'd much rather see that than, you know, Kalen Balash gets stuffed three times. Now, I will take issue with the the three Keenan Allen play calls uh, on the what was it four minutes left in the last quarter. So I take issue with you know how that went. That might be a time where you want to run it with Balage yeah. actually. Um, but other than that, um, I, I had no problem with how Keenan and, and Herbert were just hooking up this game. Uh, Herbert also finally got uh, Tyron Johnson back involved. He had that one big catch. Uh, that really vaulted the Chargers um, back kind of offensively in this one. Uh, so uh, all around, uh, good, I-, I would say, really great Herbert game. Um, and he certainly did better than his other two rookie uh, you know, draft partners today. So that was unfortunate with Burrow and then also unfortunate with Tua. But uh, he did good, and Keenan did good. And it was kind of a quiet day for other offensive players, not named, I guess, Hunter Henry. Caught that touchdown, but pretty quiet day for most other players. But mm, that's all you need to beat the Jets at the end of the day. So Keenan Allen was two catches behind Marvin Harrison for the most receptions in the first 100 games. Now he's 14 ahead. So what a oh my gosh! <laughs> so I think what a game. I mean, at this rate, he's he's gonna got in two more games. He's gonna pass Antonio Brown for number one with the, you know for the first hundred or first catch, amount of catches in a hundred games, which is amazing. The decision to feed him was great. Um, I I do feel like sometimes after games where Keenan Allen doesn't get the ball, he talks a little bit more. You know, talking about being confused, aka you should just target me more. And clearly, they they more than made up for his stats last week with the game this week. Uh, this was Justin Herbert's, it might have been my favorite game of his. He just looks so smart. And yeah, I get it's the Jets, but he's still making the pre-snap decisions um, that are good. He knows where to go. If his first read not wasn't there, he'd fire it to the second read and be perfect. Um, I thought he played just an excellent game overall. And yeah, he's the guy who finished the game today. You know, it's, as, as, it's very sad to see Joe Burrow go down. If you're going to yeah. win Offensive Rookie of the Year, you don't want it because the other quarterback blew out his ACL and who knows what other damage there is. Um... I mean, but Herbert's the, Herbert's the guy standing at the end of the day. He had the best game, clearly. Um, and I'm happy for him to get his win because he is a winner and he does deserve this. 
He does deserve it, man. And, you know, we have all been so sick of the, oh, Justin Herbert's not winning games kind of bullshit that's been going on. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, if you're watching the actual games, you would know that Justin is having a, a special, special season. Um, yeah, so Keenan Allen, he set the franchise record for most catches in a game. You mentioned him tying Antonio Brown for uh, fastest to 600 career catches. Justin Herbert broke a couple of records today as well. And uh, I I just think, like, you know, this offense is is special and it's growing. And, and we've seen it kind of make adjustments and, and go through the season making progress each week. And we saw that again this week. I will definitely agree with Alex that the, the last four-minute play calling sequence from Shane Steichen was just mm-hmm. uh, not good. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, like we saw Shane Steichen go from his worst game and, and go in the total opposite direction and, and mm-hmm. letting Justin Herbert throw 49 times. So, you know, I'll take that. The last uh, the last sequence with a little bit of a grain of salt and and call it a win for Shane Steichen today because really you know this running game it went back to being terrible you know Kalen Balaj had 16 carries for 44 yards he had one good run that went past 10 yards and uh, the second leading rusher today was Justin Herbert so Joshua Kelly had negative two yards rushing Jeremy mm-hmm. Pope had four yards rushing so you know I thought that they made some adjustments and ultimately you know Justin Herbert had a big day because of it and. You know, you got to take the positives with with each week that when you have a losing teams, you got to take the positives each week. And uh, obviously the offensive output today was was pretty big. Now, uh, I will say I thought the defense, man, the first half, it it just kind of seemed like the Jets were not super into it. And Mm -hmm. then once Joe Flacco found his matchup that he liked, uh, he went at it. And uh, unfortunately, that was Casey Hayward. Yeah, I mean, they pointed out a couple times on the broadcast, it looked like uh, Adam Gase uh, took over play calling duties uh, in the second half. Uh, and, you know, to his credit, uh, the Jets were a lot better, I, I think, just focused on uh, a little bit of a combination of or running and passing. It was a little bit better, but, you know, Flacco got in his deep shots to, to Mims uh, mostly and also uh, Paramin. And, you know, at some point it was just like, I, I really didn't understand in the first half why they weren't throwing deep, uh, just because it's like, yeah. even if you don't, uh, you know, even if you don't get a completion, you might get a pass interference on Michael Davis, um, you know, the penalties that they got on Casey Hayward uh, in the second half. And it's just like, they could have kind of been doing that uh, a little earlier. And, you know, the, you know, the Chargers are also lucky that, Flacco threw some of those balls over the heads of his receivers because <laughs> they got beat uh, on some of those routes. Um, so got a little bit lucky with you know playing Flacco today. I don't know if they're as lucky if they play Darnold, um, but yeah, they definitely escaped on today. Uh, Casey Hayward, uh, rough game today, just burned by Perriman, burned by Mims. Um, I really don't know what to say with him at this point, other than what we've been saying for the last couple of weeks, which is, you know, he's kind of hit that age 30 cliff. And now, you know, he's been dealing with this groin injury for like the last month ish. Um, and that took him out of the game. Uh, and then they had to put in Jalen Watkins an outside quarter, but it worked, uh, I guess on the last drive. Um, but yeah, Casey's uh, season just continues to really, uh, decline in quality. Michael Davis uh, didn't really do that great either. Uh, wasn't turning his head around, and I, I think he did get burned 
uh, or he got burned on that penalty. Um, not a great day defensively much at all, but particularly in the secondary, I, I just think, uh, I really don't know what they're going to do with Casey Hayward at this point. And I, I did a mock draft this week where I took Patrick Sertan in the first round, which now that they've beaten the Jets, they moved in a little bit up, uh, back in the draft. So they might not be in that position to take, uh, you know, Sertan, but it, it really feels like to me, you have to take a corner. I, I really don't know if you can run it back with Casey Hayward based on what I saw today with just Mims and Parabin beating him repeatedly. I agree. First, I just want to point out that, you know, I'm glad to see Joey Bosa back. Um, the team had four quarterback hits their last two weeks without him, and he had five today by himself, uh, which is yeah. great. Um when we did our mock draft a couple of days ago, I had, you know, I kind of overruled <laughs> Alex and said edge. And, you know, I'm not entirely still opposed to that because Melvin Ingram had a whopping two tackles. I don't, a couple of pressures, maybe definitely no sacks, no hits. Um, but man, did corner kind of shoot up my list. Not that it was probably second or third anyway, but still, it feels like it shoots up my list of priorities for this team. You know, I don't really want to take a corner at five or six or wherever the heck they're going to end up. But man, was that rough today. I mean, it wasn't working for anybody in the secondary other than maybe Rayshon Jenkins. But this team needs a lot of help in the secondary. And if it's a corner in the first round over edge, you know, I'm kind of more yeah. behind it now. Because watching, I mean, look, I didn't grade Denzel Mims in the draft, you know, or heading into the draft. I know that Steven and Jason were both, you know, high on him. And he's a, you know, he's a second round pick, right? I believe. Yeah, he was second round, yeah. Anyway, so it's not like he's a bad player. You know, there's a lot of buzz surrounding him coming off the combine and everything. But, you know, Hayward just didn't have it today. And I, I kind of feel bad because some of his – it wasn't like terrible coverage, but he's just not right. making those plays anymore. He's not defending the pass as well anymore. You know, he's just a step behind. And who knows how bad that's going to get in a year. Um, so, yeah, if they go corner in the first round, that's fine by me. Um and then Nasir Adderley just is, is kind of useless to me at, at this point. It really feels like 11 on 10 every time the Chargers play. I don't know the last time that, you know, I get it. If, if a quarterback pumps and holds Adderley in the middle of the field and he can't get over, fine. But it just it seems like there's never been a play where Adderley has been close to the football in some sort of support. Not really. The only thing he's been close to is in run support. And then he misses a tackle and Philip Lindsay goes for 50 something yards. So it's, right. it's just it's rough in the secondary right now. Great day for Denzel Perryman, uh, smashing. Um, that was alignment. so cool. <laughs> it was so great. I missed it on the first go, but oh man, that was a that was a manly play, and he he fully deserved to return to this team. I don't know if he will. I don't think the rest of the league would view him as a starter by any means, um, but I'd love to see him back because he's he's shown out the last couple of weeks and really the whole season. I think Steven is what your fourth or fifth highest graded player or something. Uh, I, I think he was seven. Yeah. But okay. Well, I didn't pay thing. attention apparently, but top 10 is great. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> yeah. No problem. <laughs> but yeah, man, I, the secondary. So that tight end to, uh, Chris Herndon, that's uh -huh. like the sixth or seventh time that a, another team has done that to the chargers where it get, the ball gets floated just over the linebacker. And then Nasir Adderley is just a second too late to make a play. And, you know, Casey Hayward had his struggles for sure, but he at least like occasionally will have, you know, his moments, right? Like against Denver, he had some great pass breakups. 
outside of the interception of New Orleans, which was pretty much a gimme, I, I can't remember the last time Nasir Adderley made like a true impact play. And like you mentioned, his tackling has been atrocious. Thankfully today, I think he only had two cases where he had to come up and make a tackle, and he did. But, you know, everybody likes to bag on Rayshon Jenkins and Jalil Adai at free safety and Trey Boston. Adderley might honestly be the worst of the four. I agree. Because Trey Boston, you know, he's not a good tackler, but, you know, he had like six or seven interceptions that year. Jalil Adai, not a good ball hawk, but he made a lot of splash tackles and, and you know, inspired some physicality from the team. Rayshon Jenkins was a little mix of the two of those guys. What does Adderley do at this point? You know, there's no splash plays. There's no consistency. There's no, there's nothing. And, and it's unfortunate because I was really high on him and, and I'm just not seeing any kind of even flashes of the same kind of player that I watched from Delaware. And even, you know, that preseason game in, in San Francisco, like where is that guy? And I know playing free safety in this cover three scheme is hard, but if Rayshon Jenkins and Trey Boston and Jalil Adai are all better than you, you're probably just not that good of a player. And it's just unfortunate, but I'm out. I don't want Adderley touching the field next year. You know, Rayshon Jenkins should start at free safety. And if they drafted one to to back him up, I would be okay with it. But I'm out on this year, Adderley. If we're talking about players we're out on, I am fully out on Joshua Kelly. I mean, two feet out the damn door. The block punt, just, I, yeah. I don't understand. You under you know that <laughs> you've had problems with special teams all year, and Joshua Kelly has to know that. And he just lets that edge come right in and block that punt, and then it starts it to so feel bad. like the Miami game again. And I'm like, dude. And then it felt like he was benched for kind of the rest of the game. I guess they gave him a couple runs. Uh, here and there, but I'm just, I don't, I, I just can't physically understand how he looked so good in the first game and a half of the season, and now it's just gone to this. Um, it's just, it's really terrible. It is really terrible, and, you know, the the reality of playing running back is if you're not the starter, you're a special teams guy. That's That's your job as the backup running back, and if you can't block on punt, you're probably getting cut and, and I don't think he's going to get cut for a while, but you know, next year, honestly, Kalen Balazs should be the RB two to toss an Eckler. You know, Justin Jackson has another year on his contract. And so he probably is the RB three. Like what does Joshua Kelly bring to this team? It's the same kind of thing when it's here Adderley. And you know, it sucks because he's such a great individual and, and he's like the most positive person I've ever seen. But Unless he progresses after this season in the offseason and makes a lot of changes, the difference between him and Bellage is so blatant. Like, Bellage is just really hard to tackle, and Kelly is not. He doesn't make anyone miss, and he doesn't really have that kind of physicality that Bellage does. So I think that's a good call, too, Alex. Yeah, great call. I, I completely forgot about it because they won, but boy, <laughs> you know, I went back and looked at some of the blocked punts before, and while he didn't allow a block punt, he I, I don't understand blocking schemes all that well, but Kelly did go inside to block someone while the guy on the outside from the Saints went up and hit, um, what's his face, Ty Long, ended up being a penalty, but again, like, if that's your second play, like, can you really have yeah. two two plays on special teams where you're letting your, your punter get hit or the, you know, the ball getting blocked? I mean, four rushes for negative two yards. He has not been the same player since his fumble. It really feels like since his fumble, his first fumble against the Chiefs, I think it was the Chiefs, right? Or Panthers? This is Panthers. Panthers. It feels like he hasn't been the same guy. Um, I don't know why, but if, yeah, if you can't cut it on special teams, 
and you're RB five at this point or four, whatever you want to call it. When Jackson comes back, I mean, he's going to be, he's a, he can be cut next year. And honestly, yeah. I don't understand what his, his role on the team is. You know, you can see Pope as like maybe the pass catching guy or Balazs is maybe the short yardage or, you know, heavier hitter guy, whatever. And Eckler can do everything. What does Kelly do? Well, not special teams, not offense. He smiles well. That's great. You know, so he can yeah. he'd be great for a Colgate ad. Otherwise, he's not doing much on the Chargers. Um, j- just yeah. a question: Is he on a? Is Jackson a free agent, or is he? Does he still have another year? I know you said because it says Spotrac says he has three. He signed a three-year one point seven. Um, so that would be eighteen, nineteen, twenty. But then it says he has a twenty-one. Uh-huh. But it says a three-year contract. So. I'm not totally is, sure, Jackson. Is he a restricted free agent after this year? No. He is restricted. It says unrestricted just... 22, but it says he signed a mm-hmm. three-year deal and he was drafted in 18. So and so that might just be a spot Weird. track error. I don't know. I think that is just a spot track because rookies usually sign four-year deals. Yeah, usually. Um, so that's unless they're undrafted. Undrafted free agents get three-year deals. Yeah. Players that are picked get four. So that that is odd. Um, but yeah, I mean, I had a couple conversations, you know, we'll get back to the game, but you know, I had a couple conversations with people this week about Tom Telesco and, you know, this draft, like what's, what's the path forward for all these guys drafted after Kenneth Murray, because Joshua Kelly at best, he's the RB three going forward because, you know, Austin Eckler's not going anywhere. Caleb, Caleb Blage is running hard, and he and he, if Anthony Lynn is around, he fits what Anthony Lynn likes to do at the running back position. You know, Joe Reed, as much as we all love him, uh, did he even play today outside of kick return? I don't think so. Um, you know, KJ Hill outside of punt return, did he play? Alohi Gilman hasn't seen the field literally all season at all. They they chose to pick up Jaleel Adai and Jalen Watkins instead of choosing to play Alohi Gilman. So. You know, this draft from Tom Telesco is, is, has really kind of bitten them in the ass this year. And it's just, you know, I was pretty excited about it, but it, it has not worked out at all. It hasn't even worked out in, from the 2019 draft. I mean, there's no development behind this team. And it's no wonder why this, the Chargers have depth issues or they can't win because their their players aren't very good. No one from the 2019 draft is really contributing. No one from this draft is contributing outside of the first two picks. So, yeah, I mean, you're right. What a... What a tough situation. Yeah, so, uh, you know, you talk about that, just kind of the overall roster, right? And so I'm just looking up my tweet right now about my top 10 highest graded chargers through the midway season. Mm-hmm. You know, not including players who have missed more than three games. It's Allen, Bosa, Herbert. Like, I think that's pretty unanimous. Yep. And it's Limbaugh Joseph, Forrest Lamp, Hunter Henry, Denzel Perryman, um, Williams, who's Williams right now? Mike Why Williams. Not? Mike Williams, thank you. Uh-huh. <laughs> totally had a mind blank right there. <laughs> and then Michael Davis and Kaiser White. Like, if if Michael Davis and Kaiser White are in your top ten, you're probably not all that good. Uh-huh. And that's just unfortunately where the Chargers are at right now. Well, I mean, to be fair, you know, you might have Harris and Eckler, and maybe Tranquil would be in there Derwin. or something if they were actually healthy. Yeah. Derwin. So, I mean, but yeah, no, I agree. Like. So were, were there no players other than Herbert from the 19 and 20 drafts in that top 10? No. Those Oof. are the only two. Oh, um, boy. Keenan Allen, obviously 13. Joey Bosa, 16. Uh, Linval Joseph, free agent. Forrest Lamp, 17. Hunter Henry, 16. Perryman, 15, right? 
Mike Williams, 18. Michael Davis, unregistered free agent. Kaiser White was 18 as well. Um, and then my next highest ones were Sam Tevy and Boy. Casey Hayward. And then, um, Kenneth, no, not Kenneth Murray. Kenneth Murray was way down there. But yeah, so, I mean, yeah, like it, it obviously hurts that you have all these guys on injured reserve and have had all these injuries and stuff like that. But it, it's Tom Telesco's job to get better depth. And, you know, 2021 is. I, I don't think that Anthony Lynn is going to get fired. And I don't think that Tom Telesco is going to get fired either. But 2021 is 100% a make or break season for both of them. Yeah, and the idea, and I guess Stephen was talking about it with, you know, Popper said at one point um, he views Telesco as more in the hot seat than Lynn. I just don't think that you fire uh, the general manager and then don't fire the coach because then you're putting, yeah. you know, whoever you hire as general manager next at a disadvantage, like immediately um, by not hi- by not letting them get the coaching hire they want. So I think that that's a weird rumor. So to me... You either bring both of them back or bring neither of them back, right? Like, to right. me, that's that's how you work it. But there also is a possibility that Lynn gets fired and, you know, maybe Telesco gets one more coaching pick. I don't know. Um, but at this point, I have to view them both as kind of equally on the hot seat um, at this yeah. point, in my opinion. Uh, and, and speaking of, you know, Telesco drafts, Murray just, I don't know what he's really doing. He he got beat by Herndon a, a couple times, and you know, they weren't, like, great dimes to him either. It was just, you know, Flacco lobbing it over his head. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. He, he's a real big liability uh, in pass coverage, uh, and and they got ran on today by <laughs> Frank Gore and Michael P. Ryan. <laughs> so, I want to go back to my bolt beat article that I wrote on the five keys to beat the Jets. Uh, I just wrote... For my fifth one, please stop Frank Gore and Michael P. Ryan. Just stop them. You don't have to stop anyone else the whole season. And they didn't stop Frank Gore and Michael P. Ryan. (laughs) Yeah, so Frank Gore had 15 carries for 61 yards and a touchdown. (laughs) And Michael P. Ryan had 8 carries for 33 yards and a touchdown. So, uh, not great. Did they get 100 yards or no? On the ground? No. But they almost... Oh, on the ground? No. On the ground, they had 96. well... Pretty close enough anyway, because so, the Chargers had given up, I think, four straight games heading into this one of 100-plus uh, rushing yards. So they, they were four away from disaster, I guess. But come on, it's 37-year-old Frank Gore and Michael P. Ryan, who I liked out of the draft. But this is... It's getting really bad, especially when Kenneth Murray is, you know, kind of your starting linebacker. Perriman was good in pass rush, but... You know, it's it's really bad when they're not getting consistent pressure in the run game. I'll have to watch the film. That's all I'll say. Yeah. The the run game, I mean, it hasn't been great all season. And Linval Joseph, I feel like, you know, he is... I always see him around the ball. Uh, he's clearly not the same player, but he, he definitely is important to this team. And he's playing at a high level. I just think, you know... You've got to get better production from your linebackers. And, you know, Kenneth Murray had seven tackles today. Uh, Denzel Perryman had a great first half, uh, including that blow up of Mikai Becton, which I will never, ever, ever forget. <laughs> um, but he also had a sack and he was, he had the only sack of the day, um, which wow. is obviously not ideal against Joe Flacco. So <laughs> I don't know. Like 
to me, if you're talking about coaches being fired, like to me, it's pretty obvious that it's Gus Bradley is yep. probably going to get like the scapegoat firing. I know everybody thinks that George Stewart should get fired. I think he should get fired, but he's not going anywhere because he's Anthony Lynn's mentor. Oh, God. It's, it's just not happening. But so to me, I feel like I feel like the secondary is fixable by just upgrading the talent. Mm-hmm. But to me, like the focus of hiring a defensive coordinator next year should be someone that has a really like tr- a strong track record of developing linebackers. And, and you know, call. Alex mentioned Chris Richard a couple of weeks ago. You know, he he turned Jalen Smith into like this amazing player. And without him, you know, he's not been that great. So I think Chris Richard would be a good call. Obviously, Robert Salah, if he's willing to take a defensive coordinator position, I don't think he is, but that would be a lot of fun. Um, but this linebacking group, you know, Derwin covers up so many mistakes when he's healthy, but, you know, you have invested so much in these young linebackers and Kenneth Murray and Kaiser White, you're tranquil, and, and you're probably bringing that back Denzel Perryman next year. You've got to get a lot more production out of your linebackers. And I think Rayshon Jenkins is actually going to be leading the team in tackles if Kaiser White misses the next couple of games. And, you know, when a safety leads your team in tackles, that's not good. <laughs> yeah, uh, Richard was also part of that because uh, that same year with Jalen Smith was Leighton Vanderesh's rookie year. So that, that was a really great year yes. from uh, yes. Vanderesh. So I, I think he would be a great call uh, at defensive coordinator if they wanted to go that route. Um, there are other choices too, but it's, <laughs> we're celebrating a win today, but we did just give up 28 points to the Jets. Um, yeah. and you know that, I think that matches their season high output now, uh, from that Broncos mm-hmm. game, but, yep. uh, it's not, not good, um, defensively. And I, I totally understand that some of it is is scheme, but also it's it's just players flat out in the second, third levels just not executing. I mean, Joey Bosa was obviously the best player, uh, defensive player by far. Rayshon Jenkins might have been the best player on the second and third levels, and that is something that we should not be saying. Uh, <laughs> and I feel like we might be saying it consistently this year. You know, the uh, the broadcasters... I think at one point they they mentioned that Gus Bradley called Rayshon Jenkins the most improved player. Um, And that's problematic in quite a few ways in terms of how the other defenders are developing. So, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess he's not wrong. It's it's not wrong. I mean, Tillery, I guess? It's not wrong, but it's like, you know, when you're not getting significant enough development from everyone else that, you know, we're going with Rayshon Jenkins or when Tillery decides to show up every three games, you know, that's, I mean, (laughs) yeah, it's it's not really great. Um, so no, I, I totally agree that there needs to be, um, some kind of change in defensive coordinator. And I, I really want to blame George Stewart today for the block punt, but like, there's part of me that's just like, you know, and I never played football. Um, but, I feel like this is stuff you learn in middle school football. Like, just, yeah, yes. I just, as a as a current middle school football coach, I can <laughs> confirm that that is stuff that you learn in middle yeah, school. Yeah, I can confirm that. And for it to have happened three times, I'm like, yes, yeah, some of that definitely is coaching. The fact that it's happening with different players, but 
at some point it's just like there's got to be effort on on the special teams and i'm like you know what is joshua kelly or like any of these you know the last the other two guys that have given up uh you know the black punts i'm like at, at some point it's like okay one of them is you know tai long holding it a little bit too long but it's like you know, if you can't block and just, I'm not even asking you to block well, just hold your guy <laughs> if you have to. Um, but it, it's and just they did. so weird. Yeah, and they did. <laughs> Cole Massa got that holding penalty. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah, but uh, it, it's just rough uh, all around. And I, I definitely, look, you could fire George Stewart tomorrow and I wouldn't shed a tear on anything. Um, but I don't immediately know if he changes, uh, the rest of the special teams play because as you know, we've kept saying they lost, uh, so many special teams contributors in the, in the off season. Yeah. As much as I want, I mean, George, like you said, if George Stewart were fired tomorrow, you know, we wouldn't shed a tear, but I kind of do feel, I don't know if I feel bad for him, but there are some plays where it's like, okay, you should just try to block your guy like that. I mean, that's. That means it's almost like, like you said, like middle school thing. That means like no one coached him from middle school, high school, college, the pros. You're telling me like no one's told him to put in some effort and block your guy. You know, it's not like it was a very, you know, it wasn't difficult. He doesn't have to, you know, go down the line of scrimmage to block some guy. Just just pick that guy and put some effort into it. And maybe you wouldn't have a block punt for the second week in a row. Yeah. So that's, I mean, that's nasty. Uh, side note on special teams, Michael Badgley was perfect today. And I believe that's his second week in a row. So yippee. Um, <laughs> we can, yeah. So give Stuart all the credit for that, I guess. Apparently, um, our uh, our friend Darren on Twitter is going to be real happy about uh, Michael Badgley being perfect for two weeks in a row. <laughs> Why is that? Oh, he he's a big Michael Badgley fan. Oh, okay. Well, he's a likable guy. Yeah. As far as the defense goes, I think you guys are actually spot on. Someone that can elevate the linebacker group is actually a really smart call because. The defensive line, I definitely think, well, eh, not as great these days, you know. But I think Giff Smith's a good court or a good uh, coach there. Ron Miles has a great track record. I don't. I assume I don't know how changing defensive coordinators work. I assume he keep both guys around. I don't know. Um, but someone, look, I don't. Anthony Lynn's not a great head coach, but it's undeniable that the running backs are something that has been boosted because of his presence, and. If you can get something like that for the linebackers, I do think that would help round out with, you know, obviously with some improved talent in the secondary, I would kind of help round out this defense. Um, so a coordinator who has some experience working with linebackers and a proven track record in that regard, that's a smart call by you guys. Yeah, I, do, like, I, I really do think about... like it's, sorry, go I ahead, Alex. Just... <laughs> I, I, no, I, I do like that we're talking about Michael Badgley going perfect for the second straight week when he didn't have a field goal <laughs> attempt last week. Um, <laughs> hey, you know, Michael Badgley. semantics. That's a technicality. To, yeah, come on. Come I on. had to call that out. Um, but, you know, part of the other thing with the defense and, and special teams, I think a little bit, is that in these second halves, the Chargers haven't been getting uh, sustained offensive drives. And, you know, as, as well, the yeah. offense did play today. They're not, you know, they are not holding the ball in the second halves nearly as well as they do in the first um, and I think that's part of the problem, you know, when the defense is just going to get so gassed if they have to keep coming out, you know, you know, drive after drive and three and out after three and out. Um, 
And that, I mean, that got bad in the fourth quarter when it's like, you know, four minutes left and then, you know, defense has to come back in two minutes late, you know, a minute later on the game clock and probably like four minutes in real time. Um, So it's just rough to kind of see that. Uh, So as much as we want to talk about the offense, and I I do think Shane Steichen called a mostly awesome game today, aside from some of the stuff in the fourth quarter. um, It's just like, you know, you do need to really start to uh, get some sustained pressure in the second half of games. And that should be the mission for both, you know, Herbert, the offense and uh, Steichen, you know, through, through the rest of the season. Yeah, I guess that's a a good time to bring up the decision to uh, kick a field goal to go up 34 to, what was it? 20 Um, or 19, I guess. 19. That's missed the PATs all the time, but you know, that, that decision by Anthony Lynn, I just, I don't hate going for the field goal. I personally, like, like I said on the other day, like, I don't know what it's like to be a coach in the NFL. I I don't, I've been coaching middle school football for two years. Like, you know, take that for what it is. But you know, if I was coaching a two and seven NFL football team, like I'm going for it on fourth down. Like you talk all season long about, Oh, I need to teach this team how to win. I need to teach how how this team, how to win you as a coach need to have that killer instinct more than anybody. And so to, a choose to kick the field goal when you're up by 12 and kicking a field goal doesn't really do much for you. You know, kicking a field goal still makes you up by two possessions and B taking that time out, which instead, if you knew that you're going to kick a field goal, take the delay of game, have the clock wind another 45 seconds. And then it's the same exact thing. So, you know, Rich Gannon was like, that was just bad clock management. Yeah. It's bad clock management. It's poor decision-making and Anthony Lynn is really, really fortunate that they didn't lose the game because of that decision. Because if the, if he lost to the jets, he'd be out of a job tomorrow. So like Anthony Lynn needs to do some serious soul searching and be like, listen, like how do I get the most out of this football team? But he's not doing that. He keeps on saying the same things. We just got to execute. We got to execute. We can't keep shooting ourselves in the foot. This is the third or fourth time that he's had an opportunity to go for it on fourth and one and close the team out. And he hasn't done it because he coaches not to lose. He does not coach to win football games. And like I said, he is extremely lucky that that decision did not cost him the game today. I was honestly kind of okay with the not going for it on fourth and one. The timeout was the bad thing, right? Because that's yes. you stop the clock and there's 645 left instead of, you know, six minutes and you keep the clock kind of moving. Um, I thought that was the worst part of it. To me, if you did call the timeout, then you should have gone for it. Um, if you yeah. didn't, then let the clock run and kick the field goal. Um, but I think just purely from a scoreboard standpoint, I think if you go up 34-19, you're basically, you know, kind of making the Jets uh, score a touchdown and then, you know, go down again, get a stop and go get a touchdown, which, you know, we, we've seen this defense be kind of bad, but uh, yeah, I, I don't like, I don't totally love the idea of how much pressure they kind of put on the defense at the end, which was like, you know, we're not going to go for it here, let you guys defend and then go three and out and let you guys defend again for the game. Yeah, um, that part I, I don't like, but I didn't totally mind the field goal call. It's yeah, it's just weird um, timeouts, weird decision making, as you said. Uh, I honestly don't know, you know, with 
you know, the lack of buzz there's really been on a hot seat. I honestly don't know if Anthony Lynn would have been fired if he lost today. Uh, I would have hoped he would have been, but I, I really have no <laughs> idea if he would have been. Um, so, yeah, that was just um, tough uh, towards the end of the game. And it's not sustaining offensive drives, putting a lot of pressure on the defense to, you know, keep converting while they're in the state they're in. Uh, that we talked about in the second and third levels. And that's really, I think, what's kind of costing this team down the stretch in games. Wow, it really feels like we lost today. <laughs> I mean, it actually, I mean, honestly, it didn't feel like a loss. It just felt like you had to win. It didn't really win. feel like a win either, though. I guess. I, I felt like they won the game, I guess. It's just that they won the game and then decided to do a Chargers fourth quarter and make it cinematic. Um, but, That's um, a good way of putting that. <laughs> I, I, I didn't feel like they lost the game. I, I, you know, at least the defense makes a stand there, and um, Tavon Campbell, uh, not Tavon, makes a play at the end. Uh, so that was cool. Uh, him covering Mims and Watkins somehow surviving <laughs> Joe Flacco. Um, but yeah, I, I thought that was at least that was good at the end of the game. You know. If, if it wasn't for the dumb penalties and stuff too, the Joey Bosa, you know, where he got called for roughing the passer, but he stumbled and he really couldn't like control going into Joe Flacco's knees. Um, you know, if he if he gets that sack right there, that's game over. But, you know, so I mean, there's a lot of moments you can go to and been like, you know, they kind of got a little bit unlucky there at least. Um, but yeah, it, it, it did feel, you know, a lot of. The glass half empty Chargers fans will probably suggest that it was, uh, you know, felt like a loss. But honestly, after the way that the last few games have gone, I'll take a win any way you can get it, I guess. <laughs> That's true. I do feel better after this game than the losses. So, yeah, it's it's a slightly less fun win than a full, wholehearted, happy win. Uh, but I'll, I guess I'll take it. What do they have to do to win next week? And do they have a shot? Yeah, they can. I mean, they can win. I mean, with Justin Herbert, man, like, I'm not going to count this team out, which is, like, it's still so crazy to me to say that. But, mm-hmm. you know, watching that offense today was just – it was so much fun. And, like, and that and that is, like, the thing to, to hang your hat on. And if Keenan Allen didn't fumble out the one, you know, this team was 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 inches away from scoring 40 points. And, and you know, this offense was, you know, lights out for the most part today. And – you know, the thing about Buffalo is that their defense is not very good. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch Tredavious White go up against Keenan Allen and to see how Justin Herbert handles that. But outside of Tredavious White, you know, the Buffalo defense doesn't really have a whole lot. That being said, Stephon Diggs is probably going to have 150 yards and a couple of touchdowns next week on this defense. Um, that, that, that really is going to be, I think, if you're picking like a shootout game of the week, Unless it's snowing in Buffalo, I think this uh, Buffalo and, and Chargers game is going to be a lot of fun. Lots of points on the board. Yeah, uh, just so for over the last month, uh, the Bills have given up 42, uh, 42 points to the Titans, 26 points to the Chiefs, uh, 21 points to the Patriots, 34 points to the Seahawks, and then last week, uh, thirty points or 32 points to the Cardinals. So um, they've definitely defensively underperformed, so I think the Chargers have a chance to win that game and Josh Allen has looked eh, so-so uh, since that initial kind of MVP pace he was on. Uh, had to get my Josh Allen slander in there. 
Um, but you know, I, I think that Buffalo definitely presents some challenges, but honestly out of, you know, they're kind of one of the harder teams that the chargers have to deal with. I feel like they can win that game. It's just a matter of, you know, whether defense and special teams show up or not, I guess. If the chargers win that game and not, I know it doesn't work like this, but if Lynn beats McDermott, does that pretty much cement that Lynn's coming back next year? I think so. Uh, yeah, I, I think if they win in Buffalo, uh, I yeah, I think that that's pretty much safe because, like, it, it's not just beating Buffalo. Like, that's a huge, huge win for this team. And then you come yeah. back and you play the Falcons and the Patriots, and then you close out with you know a very winnable Denver Broncos team. And you know we'll see how the Raiders game ends up being. You never really know in that kind of situation. But you know, I think if they beat Buffalo next week, like we're probably looking at a six and ten season, which you know, two months ago sounds pretty disappointing, but right now I'll take a six and 10 <laughs> season any day of the week. <laughs> Where's Peterman when you need him? <laughs> I know, man. <laughs> Where is he? He's not on the Raiders anymore, is he? I think he's, he's, he's still yeah, on the Raiders. On the Raiders. Yeah. Well, there you go. We still have a shot. <laughs> <laughs> we just have to injure Derek Carr and uh, yeah, Marcus exactly. Mariota. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I think they have a shot next week, and I think they have a shot to win every game left on the schedule, to be honest. It's just a matter of if, you know, we'll see what this win today does for them. Because, you know, I, I will have I will admit, like, when they punted the ball back after that three and out, I was like, this is going to overtime. <laughs> like, yep. like, this Jets team is going to win. And then after the penalty on Joey Bosa, oh. which was was like, I know it's the letter of the law and like they have to call that. But like, what do you want Joey Bosa to do in that mm-hmm. situation? Like he was already falling on the ground. Like, do you want him to wait, stand back up, and then get him? Like that was just so annoying. So after that penalty, I was like, "This game's over." Like the Jets are gonna win. <laughs> and then the last one when Tylong trotted out onto that field, man, I was like, "They're gonna block this. This yep. is gonna be like a Michigan, <laughs> Michigan State type situation, and the Jets are gonna win." Like, and how sad is it that the best special teams play all season long is a play in which Tylong took a safety. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so I was, I was definitely really nervous down the stretch, but you know, they didn't charger the loss. They, they didn't charger the win away. They won. And so, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I'm much happier today with, with this game than I was the last couple of weeks. Yeah. I I've watched a lot of, uh, you Miami football and I was deathly afraid of Braxton Berrios at the end of the game. I totally thought he was going to get a punt and just take it all the way back to the house. And I was like, Oh God. But yeah, then Ty Long makes that uh, special teams play. So uh, the special team safety play is the best of the year. So um, yeah, good job all around. Would the Chargers have beaten Miami if Ty Long took an intentional safety to open the game and he didn't? Get <laughs> I mean, it's should not this be a strategy moving forward? <laughs> that is a fair question, Tyler. Honestly, it really is. <laughs> I think they might have had a shot. What did they lose by last week? Five? And, yeah, no, eight. So if they take oh, the, if they take the right. safety instead of the touchdown, that would have been five points. So then it would have been 24-21, right? Something like that. I don't know. So that that's the game plan. If, if you're fourth 100%. and short, you go for it. If you're fourth and long, just have Ty Long take a safety. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I agree. It's better you're than Joshua it. Kelly blocking, I'll tell you what. Uh, oh, man. <laughs> so disappointing. All right, well, let, let's end on a positive note, guys. Uh, so I think we should do game balls. Like, I really do. I, I you know, I think, you know, and sure. on a positive note. Um, 
So to me, I'm going to go with Denzel Perryman today. And, nice. you know, I, I think his impact on this defense, you know, it's very similar to what Melvin Ingram used to do because Melvin Ingram used to bring the juice and the production right now. Not so much, but Denzel Perryman is having him, you know, a very, very nice stretch of games, his energy, the way that he gets after it and hits people. And, and you could tell that that hit when he blew up Mikai Becton, that had fired up the defense. And so uh, I'll, I'll let you guys talk about the guys who, who lit up the stat sheet to me. Denzel Perryman was kind of the tone setter for the defense in the first half. And I think that uh, because of that, he deserves our honorary game ball of the day. Uh, I got to go with uh, Tavon Gamble. I mean, he gets the pick six on Flacco uh, at the beginning of the game and then shuts the door uh, at the end. So I honestly thought he had a really good game. And that was a really tough situation for him to be in because, you know, he kind of had to, you know, move up because Casey Hayward was out and, you know, Watkins was then playing for Hayward. Um, so, you know, to get those two really big plays and he honestly played solid coverage through, throughout the rest of the game. Uh, we've had a lot of questions about, you know, him coming in for King and all that. Um, but Devon Campbell, uh, was really good today. Okay. So you guys are going to leave me with the hard choice of Justin Herbert or Keenan Allen. So, um, you know, I'll go with Allen. If you can pass hall of famer, Marvin Harrison, for any kind of stat yeah. and, and set franchise records and all these things, you got to get the game ball. So it's an easy one for me, but it's a pretty significant day for Keenan Allen. And pff, man, he's going to, how many catches is he going to have this year at this point? So I'm excited to see what he does the rest of the way. I think, I think honestly, that is the good, the, the right call. I think if, if we had to choose one, you know, I think Keenan Allen would get it because, you know, we kind of expected Justin Herbert to play well against against the Jets, right? You know, especially with their standing on the secondary. But Keenan Allen, I mean, he, 16 catches, 145 yards, and he almost had two touchdowns. Like, you know, just an absurd day for Keenan Allen. All right, guys, any other thoughts before we wrap up today? Anybody would still want to drink? <laughs> not, not, I'm good. Not alcohol good. today. But yeah. right, let's beat Josh Allen next week so I can be correct on my slander. There we go. I, I I honestly think they have a chance. You know, we'll see uh, kind of how the injuries pan out. The big one, obviously, is Casey Hayward and Shannon and Wilson kind of left the game early, and uh, and Trey Turner. Unfortunately, I, I it kind of looked like Trey Turner was being looked at for a concussion. That's what I thought. Yeah. Uh, um. So we'll have to see how that pans out as well. But you know, Colt Toner has proven to be a high quality backup. So we'll have to see how the injuries pan out. Thankfully, none of the major ones. Uh, we're hurt, and we might be seeing Chris Harris this week, which would be obviously a huge plus. So, all right, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, we will continue to uh, do some film breakdowns on Patreon this week. And like I mentioned, we are going to do a Christmas vapor jersey giveaway on Patreon. So uh, if you are not signed up as, as one of our Patron supporters, uh, make sure and get that done for your uh, Christmas wish list. Make sure you and- support your Patron. Yeah, that's... you're Don Julio, you're Inejo. Patreon, I'm sorry. Like. I'm sorry. My, my Spanish comes out sometimes, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. See you. Bye. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.